today I'm going to continue what I started last week on our identity in Jesus. And, and this morning, we're going to share, I'm going to share a lot of scripture. I'm going to let the word speak. And I feel a little bit inadequate, not in a bad way, in a good way, a little bit inadequate in sharing this because um, I feel like I don't know enough. I don't, I don't, I haven't entered in enough. I, I, there's just, there's so much to this whole topic and what I'm going to share today that I still don't grasp it. I'm still growing into it. We all need to grow into it. And so I'm really relying on the Holy Spirit to take the word, to take the scripture and implant things in our hearts and help us to be encouraged and to be strengthened in him and, and to understand what God has for us. And so uh, I'm, I'm just going to read scriptures that have to do with our identity. I'm going to start in Genesis and work our way through the Bible. So um, ladies that are supposed to be coming back tonight, we'll just be here till then. So you don't have to worry about being late. We'll just still be here talking about our identity in Jesus. No, not that bad. I'm just kidding. We're gonna start, we are going to start in Genesis, though. I'm sorry. I am free. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, would you bless us this morning with revelation by your spirit to see what you want us to see in your word. Spirit, speak to us. There may be things that you want to reveal to us that we've not known or understood before. There may be things that you want to reveal in the scripture that we share, that things that aren't even spoken, but you speak them to our hearts. We want you to be in charge of this time. We, we look to you. We're, lear- we're all learners. We're still growing in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus, and we want to grow even more today. So here we are, eager students this morning, eager to learn, eager to grow Children, children of the Most High God, understanding our identity in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here we have the the starting point, the beginning of of God's revelation of, of what he wanted to do. He created us in his image. And I don't know that we really understand everything that's involved in that. We'll talk about it a little bit as we go through, or at least more understanding will come. But he made us to be like him. He created us to be like him. Just that, just that thought is amazing. He created us to be like him in his image, made like him, um, and everything that means. And he put Adam and Eve in the garden, and, and their job, their purpose, their calling was to spread, and Gail's going to be talking about this on Wednesday nights, to spread that throughout the rest of the earth, because the rest of the earth was, I guess, in kind of chaos and messed up. And so he wanted the dominion, and he gave 
them, mankind, the capacity to do that. God birthed us to mirror him. He birthed us, created us to look like him. So if I asked you to look around at the people here today, say, you see God anywhere? And if you don't, you're not looking hard enough. You're not looking properly enough because in every one of us, there is the image of God. It's there, maybe hidden. It may be um, not quite manifest, but we see those kinds of things spiritually. We see God's purpose and design and creation. So let's go to John chapter 1. This is another, another passage of Scripture, and I'm going to read from the passage translation, which helps to give us a little bit of a different flavor. of. In the very beginning, the living expression, that's the word, the living expression was already there. And a living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together, face to face in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things, for nothing has existence apart from him. Life came into being because of him, for his life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that burst through gloom, the light that darkness could not Diminish, And so I thought about that, and I keep thinking about it. And it can be a mesmerizing thought to think about the fact that here's Jesus. He created everything. Everything that was created came out of his being. Everything that, that was released. I want you to picture Jesus as someone who is, is so full of all kinds of things that he wants to reveal. All kinds of things that are in him that, that he wants to give expression to. He's just loaded to the top. He's overflowing with, with I made, here's where I feel a little bit inadequate. I made a little bit of a list, but, the, you know, the list is just, it's not big enough. It's not all-inclusive, but it may help us. In him he, was this fullness of wisdom and knowledge and beauty, when I think about wisdom and knowledge, I think about all the things that scientists continue to discover, things that we, we are unveiling and we just keep gaining more and more knowledge. And the more knowledge we get, the more we realize we don't know and understand. And it's like, is there ever an end? Is there an ever an end to... No. There's no end to knowledge. Why? Because Jesus, the knowledge and wisdom that he contains is endless. It's, a, it's eternal. And so here's Jesus just... Within him is all this, I wasn't done yet, (laughs) beauty. I mean, beauty. Why do we appreciate beauty? Because he loves things that are beautiful. And so he created beauty. He just, it just came out of him. It's all part of who he is. And variety. I mean, good grief. Uh, All the different varieties of things that he's made and created. You know, they talk about the Big Bang. That's probably what it was. Here's Jesus. Like, I'm going to let all of this out. Boom! Just by speaking the words. Like, okay, but, but inventions, colors. Uh, they tell us that there's colors in the spectrum that we can't even see. And I'm looking forward to that time when we can see all the colors. 
And maybe there's more colors that are still coming. I, you know, like, and aromas, smells. God loves smells. I mean, I mean gosh, Artie's gotten into essential oils, and they all smell different. You know, they're different. They have different smells, different aromas. And, and, and sometimes when God shows up, there's an aroma that, sh- that, that happens, and people smell. And what is that? What is that? And it's not pork roll. It's, you know, like something beautiful. Like, I mean, it might be, even if that's the passion of your heart, maybe God will give you that aroma. But think of mathematics and science and, and you know, as they discover things in mathematics and they, they, I heard somebody say this. I just heard this this week. Did you know that atheists are a dying breed? More and more people are leaving atheism because as people study quantum physics, they come to the realization that there's, there's a higher power, there's a God, there's something supernatural in the universe beyond us. And so there's a, there's a whole move in our generation of moving into this, exploring, wanting to understand the supernatural. And so you don't really have to go real far with that anymore. Uh, we just have to direct people in the right, in the right path. Um, so mathematics, science, love. I mean, he's love. I'm so grateful that God is a loving God and, and his love is over the top and his love wanted to find expression. And so it's waiting for an opportunity to just demonstrate that. So, so think of Jesus, the original expression. He's waiting. I don't know how long he waited. And how do you measure time and eternity? You don't. But he, he contained all this and he spoke and all this came into being. His tenderness, his personality, you know, where does personality come from? None of us are alike. We're all different. We have families, we have children, and none of our children are the same. They have different personalities, and that comes out of the creative flow of who Jesus is. (sighs) Humor. Humor. We had a blast. We had a blast last night. Uh. We had a birthday party for one of our grandchildren. So we were at Nikki and Gaston's house and, and uh, talking about different things going on. And then Artie says, who's that guy that we've been watching on dry bar humor? I said, oh, Fred Klett. So we pulled Fred Klett up on YouTube. In the, and the kids were there. And, I mean, Travis there and, and Nikki and Gaston are there. And we start playing this. And we start laughing because this guy's crazy. It's just, it was so funny. And then the grandkids are coming. Before you know it, we're all laughing, and we're trying to leave because it's time to go home, but we're watching. Humor, why do we love to laugh? Because God loves to laugh, because there is humor in Jesus. And so all these good things were, were in him. So personality, humor, space, eternity is in him. And so all of this is waiting to come out in Jesus. And so, bam. I, I'm just painting a picture for you so that we... When we come to worship, when we come into the presence of God, this is, the one, this is the one that we're coming to who is just massively full of all kinds of really, really good stuff. I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. I, I don't even really know how. To, I feel inadequate to worship him in the right way, in a way that, even does justice to it. He's just full of, he's full of fullness. He's full of life. He's full of goodness. And he made, 
Are you ready? He made us in his image. What does that mean? Well, we know that there was a fall. And we know that there was a mankind walked off the path, walked off the reservation, and lost a lot. But, but that's, that's why John keeps writing in John chapter 1, and he wrote this, verse 14. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us, and we gazed upon the splendor of his glory and the glory of the one and only who came from the Father overflowing with tender mercy and truth. And here is the creator becoming a created one. Everything that burst out of him, everything that he spoke, everything that came into being, or the way we like to think about it, he spoke the word and all of creation is still scrambling to try to catch up with what he said. Still, still coming into alignment with the words that he spoke, and it's still moving. He became part of creation so that he could demonstrate to us a new and living way, so that he could become the Savior, so he could become the one who would redeem and reclaim and recover what was lost. He came so that, so that we could be recovered back to the original desire of God the Father. Someday, I, I hope, someday I'll understand the why of all of that, you know. Um, how all that figured and, you know, um, but that's not what I want to talk about this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him. So that those who should live no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again, so then from now on we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. These verses are saying that when we trusted Jesus as our Savior, we were crucified with him. We died with him. That old nature that was broken, that was twisted, that was um, separated from God, died. was crucified with Christ. We need to really come into a greater understanding of what that means. But then, then verse 17 says this. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, if anyone has trusted Jesus as their Savior... If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. What that verse literally means is that we have become a new kind of being. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, and so we have become a new order. The old order has vanished. We are a new kind of being, a new kind of person on the earth. What does that mean? What does that mean? Gosh. We don't know totally, and yet we have... Jesus came. He came 
to demonstrate the possibility, the potential, and the reality of what God wants for every one of us. So everything that we see in Jesus, that's what he wants us to be. That's what he died to pay for. That's what he wanted to release through us. And, and the truth of the matter is, spiritually, we already are that. We already have. Why, why is that? Because Jesus is inside of us. He lives inside of us. And so everything that Jesus is, we are already. That's the way God looks at us. You know what our problem is? We don't think of ourselves that way. We're so grounded in, in this life and the issues and our own issues. And we, we focus on negative things. We focus on our weaknesses. We focus on our vulnerabilities. Anyway, and so we don't see that. But the truth is, the Bible says... The Bible says if you are enfolded in Christ, you are a brand new being. The old stuff is gone. Let it go. The old you died. You are a completely different race of being. And you know what that means? This is what's even crazier. We, we aren't, it, the new birth doesn't take us back to Adam. It doesn't take us back to Adam because it does, it's, not the, it's the second Adam that we become like. It's Jesus that we become like. That's the reality. Well, what does that mean? He's the firstborn among many brethren. Colossians 1 verse 15. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. And the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it was all created through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. But see, that's another crazy thing. We read in John chapter 1, says... In the beginning, the expression, the true expression, spoken, the world was created. And when it talks about Jesus and who he is, he was already existing. But see, that word doesn't work. There's no way to describe somebody that has always been. Just no beginning, no end. Because if I say that, you know, people say, does God exist? You say, yeah, God exists. When you say he exists, that word in our language presupposes a beginning and an end like like it began and it has an ending to say it exists we don't have the right terminology to say always has been always just continue to flow so what john wrote in the beginning was that in the beginning in the beginning of the creation jesus already was he was already being who he is and then he spoke and creation came and so he existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. Now, see, there's another crazy thing, because that word church is ecclesia. And ecclesia means the governmental body. In other words, <laughs> he put us here to rule. He put us here to rule. He, when we, we are enfolded into Jesus... He recreated us so that we could take over. I don't want to say that too loud. 
may have to be careful. We put this online and people pick that up and think that we're starting a revolution. <laughs> but we need a revolution, don't we? We need a, uh, we need a, uh, um, a revelation of the, the sons and daughters of God that learn to rule from a spiritual position of authority to change things that go on on earth so that his kingdom can come, his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. You see, we're saying this again. Do you understand how full Jesus is? you understand how big and massive he is? you understand how complete he is? And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. So Jesus, by his death, burial, and resurrection, has opened the doorway for everything to be restored. Adam was supposed to rule over the earth, but there was a vulnerability in Adam, and he, and he kind of messed up. When Jesus came, he gave us a whole new opportunity to do it again and to do it right. But as a new race of people, how many of you, don't raise your hands, don't, you don't have to respond. This is a rhetorical question. I just want you to think about it. How many of you feel like you're a new race of people? I don't always feel that way. Matter of fact, I probably spend way too much time waiting for the change to come. Right? Anybody else feel that way? Like, hey, I know the reality. I know what the word says, but what's happening here? Romans 8, 28. We know this verse. This is, I'm using the Passion Translation in most of these. You know, we know that all things work together for good, but this is the Passion. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. The Bible says it over and over again that he's in us and we need to be like him. We're just like him. He's making us just like him. Acts 17, 28, it is through him that we live and function and have our identity. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage comes from him. Our father, our true father, is our father in heaven. The DNA that we carry is heavenly DNA. Our heritage is is a godly line, perfect line. Perfect heritage. That's our DNA. <clears throat> Galatians 2.20. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one, Jesus, lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life 
into mine. Anybody want to line up for that? Anybody want to find the counter where they're selling that stuff? I want to tell you that we don't have to go to the counter and pay for it. We don't have to find some place where it's available. It's available anytime that we want. Anytime that we want, we can go into his presence. We can look at him. We can seek him with all of our hearts, and we can allow the flow of the Spirit to come into us and allow his presence to change and transform us. That's what he wants for us. He loves us so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into me. Romans 6.11, so let it be the same with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Remember a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a month ago, I don't even remember. We talked about when Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand and we explained what at hand meant. The kingdom of God is at hand. Um. John the Baptist said that, and Jesus said that the kingdom of God is at hand. And the, and the picture, the word picture there, is of two streams coming together, forming one river. So that when we trust Jesus as our Savior, we become one with him so that you can't distinguish one from the other. See, that's the, that's, that's the, the kind of language that we're talking about, what the Bible is talking about. We become one with Christ that we're indistinguishable. That's what this verse is talking about. Living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Now, here's the kicker. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So all of us with faces unveiled see as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are being changed into his very image from one degree of glory to the next by Adonai the Spirit. Do you know what this verse is talking about? Let me tell you what this verse is talking about. If we take the time, if we take the time to get in his presence and just look at Jesus and just embrace him and say, Lord, I want to, I want to see you. I want to know you. I, I, want, I, I want your presence with me more than anything. I, I just want to spend time with you. I want to worship you. I, I want you. He says, as we do that, it's like we're looking in a mirror and we're looking at Jesus. And sometimes we see ourselves, but as we continue to look in that mirror, as we continue to look at Jesus, you know what happens? It even says, one, the, the Greek word here is the, is the word for metamorphosis metamorphosis is that all of a sudden you're, you're looking at Jesus and you're looking at yourself and we both look the same. You can't even see the difference. There's a, there's, there, I don't even know if I'm allowed to use this word. Does anybody have rocks and stones in their purses or pockets or anything? <clears throat> okay, then I'm going to use it because I don't know what else. <laughs> don't throw your cell phones. <clears throat> But it may be appropriate, I don't know. I'm just, anyway. As we gaze at him and we look at his reflection in the mirror and we continue to look at him, we change so that we actually end up looking just like him. We are transfigured into his likeness. We are made into his likeness. That's God's heart for us. You understand that God's heart for us is that we become like Jesus. But not that we all become the same. Because I and you, every one of us is a unique expression of who he is. But God's desire for every one of us is to be like Jesus. To look like him, to act like him, to be. The word Christian means little Christs. Or Christ ones, or Christ followers. People that demonstrate, look just like him. He wants us to be just like Jesus. 
Matter of fact, the truth, the reality is, here's the reality. We already are. It's already inside of us because he's inside of us. Our brain gets in the way. Our, our old life gets in the way. And as we focus on him, the picture becomes clearer and our minds get transformed and there comes a new clarity, a new understanding and that the old ideas are pushed out of the way and we begin to just fall in love with Jesus so much more that we see him so much more clearly and all of a sudden there's no distinction between him and us because we've become one, so much one in our thinking. It's, it's a reality spiritually, but we need to keep focusing and pursuing on him until it becomes that for every one of us. And what he desires for us is to walk in the fullness of what he walked into, walked in. Bill Johnson said that God wants us to be like Jesus, not like Jesus before the death, burial, resurrection, but after the death, burial, resurrection, the new risen Christ, that's, that's who he wants us to be like. The resurrected Jesus. What? Can you just say what? And all of a sudden I'm thinking, God, you're just you're just over the top amazing. You see, when he created us, he created something in us so valuable, so important, so incredible that when he lost us, he had to get us back. And he would pay whatever price to get us back so that the realization of his desire for every one of us would be redeemed and brought back. And so what he wants for every one of us is to be like Jesus. And we... And we we may try all kinds of things to, to deal with the issues in our lives and we, we do all kinds of things and, and we try methods and programs and agendas and all kinds of things and really, you know what God wants is for us to just fall in love with Jesus and focus on him. Look in that mirror. That's why that verse is so important. So all of us with faces, faces unveiled see as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and we are being changed into his very image from one degree of glory to the next by Adonai the Spirit. The Spirit does a work in us when we focus on Jesus, when we turn our attention to him, when, he, when we make him the one that we're wanting to spend our time with. You can't spend your time in his presence without being changed. You can't do it. And so we have to go after him with all of our hearts. It has to be the passion of our hearts. Our identity is in him. Who we are is in him. And so that metamorphosis takes place. Colossians 3.10, for you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. Giving you the full revelation of God. There's another way to say that. Go to the next slide. Oh, that's not the one. I must have skipped it. I skip it. We stand. Is there a we stand? I maybe didn't do it. Okay, I'll have to read it. I'm sorry. I didn't put it in there. We stand fully identified in the new creation 
renewed in knowledge according to the pattern of the exact image of our creator. We stand fully identified in the new creation, renewed in knowledge according to the pattern of the exact image of our creator. That's his desire for us. See, the potential is in here. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, the potential is already in you to completely, fully display the likeness of God. It's already there. It just needs to be released, and what releases it is spending time in his presence. That's why we worship. That's why we encourage people to pursue him, pursue him, pursue him. So when we spend time in worship, we're going to go to worship in a minute. When we, when we go to worship, we're not singing songs, but we're, we're crying out with passion. We're using music. We're using words, but we're crying out with our hearts to touch that part of, of the divine nature, to waken in us things that are slumbering, things that haven't been released yet, to have things that haven't been revealed yet. Because there's thinking in our minds that prevent us from seeing the whole picture. And so we worship so that we're transformed. We, we are wanting to attract the presence of God to come and change us. To keep changing us into his likeness. To let the, the reality of who he is burst forth through us. It's kind of like a baby chicken inside the egg. You show somebody, what's this? Oh, it's an egg. No, it's not. It's a chicken. No, looks like an egg to me. Well, a couple minutes later, look, it's a chicken. It's a chicken. See, you didn't see that chicken come out. What's in us? Jesus is in us. He wants to come out. That's why we worship. That's why we spend time with him so that the reality of that and everything that God, I mean, God, we can't, we, we can't understand who he's made us to be. I used to read a quote about, from C.S. Lewis, and I, I, I was a long kind of a thing, and I'm, there's just one part of it that I remember. If we could see each other this morning, the way God sees us, the way God sees you right now, the way that God looks at you and he sees Jesus in you and he sees you as fully complete in him, expressing everything that he desires. If I were able to see you the way God sees you right now, I would be very tempted to bow down and worship you. That's the kind of glory that God wants to reveal in us. I think I've talked enough. (laughs) 
Jesus. We just haven't done a very good job of realizing what you're up to. Or we've heard it from time to time and then we forget about it because we get over, overwhelmed with life. But what we want, and it's deep in our hearts, it's deep in our hearts, what we want is the reality of you, your image and us being fully formed, fully released. That mirror reflection where we become one and we become people who are the full expression of who you are. Lord, would you whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes in us to stir a holy passion in us, to stir a longing for you and for what you've created us for, to move out, to move out, to move out, to do what it takes, to to, to do what it takes to 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 We don't want to waste our time. We don't want to waste our time. We don't want to waste our energy. We don't want to waste our effort. We want Jesus revealed in us. And so we worship you. Amazing, 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 almighty, powerful God. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you.